Poya. This is Robbie. Welcome to Uncharted and Eclectic. And thanks for joining us again. Today's episode is brought to you by Oracle NetSuite. One of the most time-consuming and stressful activities at my last startup was pulling the monthly reports we needed to to prepare for our board meeting. You see, we were using a combination of homegrown solutions, spreadsheets, and QuickBooks, and made the mistake of allowing our technology and tech stack to slow us down. Don't make the same mistake we did. Upgrade today with Oracle NetSuite. The beauty of Oracle NetSuite is that it gives you the visibility and control you need over your financials, HR, inventory, sales, and much more. Everything you need all in one place instantly. Join over 21,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let their team at NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com slash scale. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash scale. Welcome back to another episode of Uncharted and Eclectic. We're super excited. Um, we have Bridget O'Brien from Dialpad, live from Austin, Texas, joining us today. Bridget, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm excited. Yeah, likewise. Um, well, cool. You know, we, we always love to get this started um, by asking a little bit on your personal background. Um, we'd love to learn a little bit more about like where you grew up, um, a little bit on your family, um, kind of where what it was like where you were raised, uh, maybe where you went to college and and, and kind of what, uh, what you're doing today. Yeah. Uh, born and raised Dallas, Texas. Both my parents um, were clinical psychologists. Mom still is. Father passed away relatively uh, recently, like a year or two ago. Um, my sister is getting a PhD in sociology at Princeton, which is pretty cool. She's way smarter than me. School has always been her sport. Um, and I dipped out to University of California, Santa Cruz for college and got a degree in marine biology, which I'm using super effectively today as the director of sales development. Um, and I moved back to Austin about four and a half years ago, um, and got started in tech. Amazing. And we were just talking about the, uh, experience playing sports for the banana slugs. Tell us a little bit more about your journey as a basketball player, uh, in Santa Cruz. Who would you compare your game to looking back? Ooh, back um, who would I compare my game to? Um, I always loved Steve Nash growing up a lot. So I, I feel like I really embodied a lot of him. I, I love a good assist. There's nothing better than the most perfect assist, I would say. Um, I only played for a year at Santa Cruz because then I got into my head, I wanted to learn how to scuba dive, which I did. Um, but I devoted more time to learning new sports. So I learned scuba diving and rock climbing while I was at Santa Cruz rather than sticking with basketball for four years. Um, I'm only 5'8", so it's not like I was going to make it to the WNBA uh, from that D3 team, so <laughs> no regrets. Interesting. Well, I think the the pattern or theme of uh, exploring new interests and learning new things will probably come up again in this conversation, but um, when you mentioned Steve Nash, I thought of a soccer player, and I thought of Poya. Poya, didn't you play soccer uh, at uh, visiting at Santa Cruz when you were at Chapman? Yeah, the good the good old days. I I, I got to say I was not uh, an active. I was very good at uh, playing on the bench <laughs> in my college days. But yeah, I I, th I think that campus is beautiful, especially the soccer field. Um, I'm shifting gears here, uh, Bridget. But I'd love to know um, how you went from marine biology to like now running, for the most part, sales development at Dialpad. Like, 
give give us the the kind of the story there. But more importantly, I'd love to know kind of like what you think um, has been the similarities between working in the services industry and maybe sports as well as now in tech. Like what, what's the similarities, differences? We'd love to get your context. Um, yeah, to relate it back a little bit to me in basketball, um, my parents described me growing up playing basketball as like a mosquito. Like I was just annoying. I, I was good at defense. And so I would just like stick on people like a little burr. And I think it was just like that perseverance and consistence of just staying with someone. Cause I actually think that's the hardest piece of basketball is being really good defender um, because there's not a ton of reward and you just have to hustle the whole time. So I, I think that translated pretty easily into what it's like being a server. I don't know if either of you have been in the service industry, but um, there's the term of like being in the weeds and it's just like, you just can't stop. You don't even have time to really stop and think about what you should do next. You just always have to be doing. Um, so I think that goes well with my personality type. And it was a ton of fun just spending all of that time talking to people. Like I, it was definitely a winding path going from marine biology. And I got into the service industry from working in college the whole time. Um, and I really, when I moved to Austin, I stayed in the service industry because it's really easy to get a job, like super fast. You basically pick a restaurant and they're probably hiring and they'll pick you up if you have any background experience. Um, and then uh, the reason I didn't stick with former marine biology track was I didn't really want to go get a PhD. Um, I was done with school at the time. Who knows, maybe I'll go back at some point, but I didn't want to go to school anymore. Um, I really loved animal training and have a huge background in that. And it's probably like my passion, which we can talk a little more about, but I decided that I wanted like kind of on the vein of why I left basketball, there were other things I wanted to go explore and do. And unfortunately in the animal industry, you don't get a ton of time off and the pay isn't amazing. And so your, your whole life is working with that animal. Whereas if you go into something like tech, which is how I decided I wanted to go into tech, you have that unlimited PTO, you get a good paycheck, you have the ability to travel and the money to actually do it. And uh, you're not working insane hours. And you also get to go spend holidays with your family because I don't know if you guys thought about it, but animals don't know what Christmas is. They just want to get fed. So um, that was like the winding path of how I got into tech. Um, and then similarities and differences between the service industry and tech. Tech sales is very customer centric or at least it should be if you're doing it right, in my opinion. Um, sometimes people call it prospect-centric if you wanna get specifically into sales development. You have to come at it with an empathy and like be thinking ahead of what your customer or your prospect might want. And that's how you actually get a sale done is like anticipating their needs. And I think a lot of that is already done in the service industry. You have to anticipate when someone might need a sauce or if they're gonna want water. And also through having a conversation, actually be able to make suggestions on what wine or food that that particular person might like. Love that. And what, like, I'm going to, I'm going to ask kind of a stretch question here, but one that I actually like, think there may be some interesting corollaries here. What, what were like, what was like the biggest thing you learned when you were spending time training animals? And I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was specifically dogs. Is that right, Bridget? Um, I have done dogs, uh, Atlantic bottlenose dolphins, Hawaiian monk seals, Southern sea otters, and a couple different types of birds. Oh, and uh, my two cats, they know some little tricks. 
Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's do this then. What, like across all of those different experiences, when you think about the time you spent like training with animals, like what was maybe like one of the big takeaways that you think has shaped the type of leader you've now become working at, at Dialpad? Like genuinely curious, some of the things you've learned working with animals that have transferred to working with humans who are also animals, but for the purpose <laughs> of the conversation, we'll separate them out. Uh, like humans are, humans are just animals. So all my background is in positive reinforcement training techniques, like no punishment. And I think that there's a lot to be said for um, being a leader that highlights success in the way you want to see it. I, I don't know how else to put that. Like, um, like highlighting the people working really hard, not necessarily the person that hit the highest attainment that month. Um, highlighting the person who takes the time to help out a teammate to their own personal detriment. Like those are the qualities that I love to see in the team and that I think create a real teamwork environment. And I'd also say like the biggest thing I learned from animal training is that training is actually just building a, a language between you and that animal. That's all it is, a way for them to communicate. And I think that um, coaching and managing is similar. You just have to figure out how each individual actually learns and how they understand things and speak that language with them um, and build that language up. Because as managers, the first things we are is a coach and a teacher. Like that's the number one thing we are. I, th I think you nailed it um, in, in terms of in terms of your example, like to paraphrase it or to say it a little differently is but leading by example right like the, the folks that have always been i've admired working for and like i would just double down on are the ones that i don't know show up sh like at the beginning they like demonstrate how to do the job and then they kind of empower you and help you get there so uh, I, I thought what you said was it was beautifully said uh bridget uh, and from your perspective, um, one of the reasons just to give people context of why I, why I wanted to invite you um, on this podcast was um, the, the notion that a lot of people right now are, whether they're in the services industry or another industry, they're trying to kind of tap into tech, right? They want either a sales job or product, whatever it may be, right? From your experience, what, what, how, what advice would you have for them, right? Like, um, I, I'd love to just kind of get from your perspective, like what's worked from your end um, that you want to maybe like communicate to our audience. Yeah. Um, I think the funniest thing about sales is that I, I feel like most people just kind of fall into it somehow. Like, it's not like they, they grew up going, I want to be a salesman. This is what I'm going to do. And I also think that there isn't a practical degree on how to do sales. So it, regardless of what your background experience anywhere is, like everybody is starting from the same place. It doesn't matter if you have a business degree from a college. Um, I actually love seeing someone with service industry background because the same things I said earlier, they're typically customer centric, um, are able to deal with rejection really well and are tough. Like they know the hustle of what it takes to make money at the end of the day. Um, and in starting out in tech sales, you're going to have to start entry level. Like you can't skip two steps and go to account executive, but you need it. It's this idea of slowing down to speed up. And so how do you even get that entry level position if you've never done it before? Um, a couple of things. Number one, everything in tech sales is about who you know, just like anything in business. But it's not that you have to know them that deeply. 
go find a company that you want to work for and just try to reach out to people on LinkedIn or their email. See if there's someone that will give you the time of day just to talk about what the role is, what you do. Um, and think of it like interview prep. You want to go figure out what the job actually is. And then when you know what that job that you want actually is, go figure out a way to actually show that manager that you know how to do it before having done it. So specifically talking about sales development, you have to show them you know how to prospect. Um, for instance, my mid-market leader just forwarded me an email that he got a cold email from someone who um, applied and was looking for a job in sales development and wrote this beautifully personalized like prospecting email and sent it to Bryce and Bryce opened it and immediately forwarded it to us, even though he's never talked to the guy because he's like, this is exactly what we want to see from our SDRs is the ability to cold email someone, make it personalized and get their attention, explaining um, why them, why you're talking to them at the moment and why in particular you picked that human and what you noticed about them. So for someone trying to get into tech, um, go talk to people actually doing the job uh, go figure out how to show that you know how to do the job. A really easy way for SDRs is to send cold LinkedIn or cold emails to the person you think is hiring for that role. Um, and then it, keep being persistent. Don't stop until you hear a response from them and make sure that you're doing things like after you meet with them, sending follow-up emails. That's a really easy one that people forget. Um, it's just like a check mark in my mind that you're, you're not going to forget to send a follow-up email after you have a meeting with a prospect or something like that. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that um, the thing I think that's tough though, Bridget, like I think about one of the things that I think you see like really people that are really like really successful in their careers is that exact thing you just described, the ability to reach out to somebody and make it really personalized and make that person like almost feel special and stand out um, without sort of like asking for too much, but making it really clear about your intentions up front. How do you like, you've worked with a lot of people doing this, um, you know, through the years at Dialpad, you've trained a lot of people doing this. Like, you know, there's one thing to spot the talent. There's like another thing to train folks on how to do it well. Like what advice would you give folks um, to, to just be like more effective in being creative and, and customizing their emails to stand out from, from all the noise? I think the number one thing anyone can do to stand out from the noise is be authentically themselves. And what I mean by that is um, like go find the person on your team or someone you think is doing the job really well and see what they're doing, try to mimic it, but then never hesitate to make it your own. Um, it, like someone can tell when you're not being authentic or if you're not being fully yourself in that moment. And that's where I think uh, personalization falls flat. Like the stuff that's gonna catch your eye is someone reaching out and saying, hey, Bridget, I just listened to that podcast you were on with Uncharted, Uncharted and Eclectic. Like, um, love the thing you said about X, Y, Z. I'd actually love some time to chat and see if you have any positions open in your company. Like it was really great to hear from you. Um, like that is the stuff that's personalized, authentic, cause you listen to it and you actually mean it. Like something I said resonated to you. Like attracts like. Um, so those would be the people that I'm always looking for. And I think that also applies for when you're trying to get really good at being an SDR, like authentically go figure out what you think makes that prospect tick and make sure it's coming from you and not what you think they want to hear. Everything you said, couldn't agree more. It's the personalization, um, impact and Robbie and I have worked with each other at Sasser in the past, and you will be very surprised if you put in that impact, uh, not only, only for recruiting, but also for sales, like how how impactful it can be just to get the like the, 
like the executives response. Like I've gotten responses from the CEOs of Intuit, Microsoft, like I can just go down the list by like just writing a very hyper-personalized email. So if you can show that in the recruiting process, I think like you're hired. Um, the toughest part, I guess, about this question sometimes is like, how do you help uh, the candidates or like the people you bring on, like have that com confidence, you know, like that aha moment, uh, like to get it. And then when they get it, hopefully they move up the ladder. And I, I'm asking that question because like you've done that successfully at, um, at Dialpad, but more importantly, you've done it consistently over time. Like you've done sales enablement, you've moved into management, you've done the job, I think every single time really, really successfully. Like one, what advice would you have there? And then what's maybe been some of the surprises as part of that process? Number one advice to people is say yes to all opportunities without hesitation. Um, like you want to be known as the person who jumps on the chance to figure something out or uh, comes with a solution for a problem that you've uncovered. Like other piece of advice, like if you find something that you think is a problem, either go fix it yourself or when you bring it up to the person that you think um, has the most power to fix that thing, come with a solution. And I think that's something I've pretty consistently done at Dialpad. Like, don't be seen as the person that brings problems, be seen as the person that comes with solutions. Even if your solution is totally off base, that's now a learning experience for you because in all likelihood that person is gonna take the time to explain why they don't think your solution is quite right, but also then sit there and brainstorm with you what could be a new solution. So I think that's a, a couple of things that helped me on my path at Dialpad. Um, and then some things that are like delightful along the way. I always make the joke that I'm not using my marine biology degree, um, but in actuality, I use data all the time at my job. It's been hugely helpful in uh, recognizing trends in the data and also making some hypotheses about like, why does the data look like that? Um, and then going in to either prove or disprove that hypothesis. So doing A-B testing, figuring out what the answer is. So I do get to use pieces of my degree and that's been a, a major delight along the path. Um, and it's also a really fun way to, to figure out what you should be training and coaching on for your team and how to make them better. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, uh, so Bridget, I, one thing that I think we hear kind of a pattern of consistently is, is sort of, uh, people with hot takes about uh, the next couple years in sales and like what the next couple trends are going to look like. And, and I think we, it's, it's rare that we get, um, we get dedicated SDR leader on the podcast. Um, it is, you know, somewhat of a niche leadership role, one that I came up in at, at Zenefits and Flexboard and have a lot of empathy and respect for. But um, one of the things I've heard a lot, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to make this statement as sort of like regurgitating what a couple of our last podcast guests have said, and I would love to get your take on it. Um, as somebody who's an expert. Um, the, the hypothesis is that it's never been easier to send out mass amounts of email um, to prospects. It's never been able, easier to find prospects, uh, data and information, emails, phone numbers, that kind of thing. Um, what is the next couple years of effective sales development and prospecting technique look like as we look into the future? Like what are gonna be the things that the best reps are doing to stand out that, that, that maybe um, haven't gone mainstream or been built as like a product that everybody uses just yet? That's an interesting question. Um, I actually think my response to that is that there's all these trends that happen in sales development. Like for instance, um, like wager emails were working really well for our reps the other month, like finding a big game, 
you go send out to your territory of the like who you think it, they're going to be supporting and you basically say like if you lose you have to take a meeting um if you win like i'll send you this gift or something like that like that was working a month or two ago and then i just talked to a rep the other day and she was like oh they've gone dry like i'm getting no responses to my wager emails now and i think that um people are always trying to map like what's going to be the next best strategy but i actually think it just comes back to the basics every time um, how do you reach out to them on LinkedIn? How do you interact with them there? How do you email them effectively to get their attention? And then finally, just calling them on the phone, like super basics. If you catch someone on the phone, you can find out immediately if it's a yes or a no from them. And that's your best opportunity to like hold their attention. So my personal opinion is like, nothing should really change. Like those three basic skills are the ones to master and get better at, or at least like specialize in one of them where you can always fall back on that is, is, you know, you can go talk to a prospect through that channel and get a meeting. And that would be my philosophy. I'd also say, um, I follow Beck Holland pretty closely on LinkedIn. She just launched a website, flip the script. You're welcome back. I'm giving some free advertisement right now, completely unprompted. But uh, I think that she is one of the best in the game when it comes to sales development. And if you were looking at like how to get better, if you're a young rep, all of her content is completely free. And I think that um, she would be the one to watch for anything when it comes to like trends or strategies. I love it. And I, I think we're going to have a wager on this after the show with, with Robbie and I, that this is going to be one of our top performing podcast episodes based on the actionable insight you're providing us, Bridget. And if Robbie loses, uh, he donates a hundred bucks to my charity of choice. Are, oh, we, I love are, that. are we good? Are we good on that, Robbie? Can you confirm on, on record? But only if it's to um, some type of Marine Wildlife Foundation. Ooh. I've been thinking about dolphins ever since Bridget mentioned that. them earlier. You know what yeah. actually would be really cool is if you uh, donate direct to the lab that I worked for at UCSC. Uh, it's a research lab, which is pretty cool. I'll give you guys a link later. Boom. You got us. You put us on the spot. Robbie, I'm confirming right now I'm in for 50. You're in for the other 50. Uh, in return, Bridget, you got to promote us uh, to the to the universe. But hey, this is this has been so much fun. Uh, we can probably continue on, but I'd love to have you back on the show where we talk about the trends and see if, if anything sticks out in a couple of months, in a couple of years later. But before we say our goodbyes, I'd love to um, ask the most common question that we love asking, which is, what do you think you would tell your younger self um, now that you've kind of moved up the ranks at Dialpad, made this switch, from marine biology and switched industries. What, what's, what advice would you give your younger self, Bridget? You, know, you told me to prep for this question and I, I'm still, I, uh, I've been debating this one a lot because I don't think that there's a lot I would change. Like I don't feel like I have a ton of regrets or things that I would have done differently. I think that always like all the steps you take lead you to where you are today. And I'm pretty happy to be totally honest. But I'd say if I, if I had to think about something um, that would, I would tell my younger self and also, I think this applies to everybody is um, there's a difference between conviction about something and uh, passion. And you don't always have to be passionate about your career to be successful and be happy. Um, but I would recommend that you always find something that you feel conviction about, i.e. like, do you believe that whatever it is you're selling or um, trying to produce is actually going to help the person on the other end? Um, it's one of the reasons like when I was back selling bottles of wine, like I never sold the most expensive wine. I always picked the wine that I thought someone would like the most based on their tastes. And I think that, um, that leads into like finding happy customers and finding happiness yourself. Like 
you you want to feel like you're actually helping people and that's the most important thing well uh i know we've had dan o'connell on on this in the past and i want to thank him for this intro but he's very very lucky to have a leader such as yourself on his team for delivering that kind of conviction to your customers but more importantly to your team so uh bridget it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show if our audience wants to get in touch with you what would what, what would be the best way to follow bridget o'brien uh you can follow me on linkedin um if anybody wants to practice cold calling or emails on me um i always love to see those because i love seeing what people come up with i usually forward stuff to my team if i think it's really good so uh, i can even give you my contact info poya and let's uh let's bring on the flood i want to see it wow love it yeah we'll put that in the in the in the show notes uh absolutely love having you and then you, you put a wager on us, which is to donate if this does well, which we're going to do regardless uh, in your name. Uh, the wager in, in return is you have to you have to bring on another amazing female leader such as yourself uh, Ooh, on okay. the show. So that's a ton that's, of fun. Totally do. Yeah. So there you go. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, can't uh, thank you enough for jumping on the show, uh, but more importantly, for the actionable context you provided. So thanks so much. Thank you, Poya. I hope you have a good rest of your day. You too. Today's episode is brought to you by Oracle NetSuite. One of the most time-consuming and stressful activities at my last startup was pulling the monthly reports we needed to to prepare for our board meeting. You see, we were using a combination of homegrown solutions, spreadsheets, and QuickBooks and made the mistake of allowing our technology and tech stack to slow us down. Don't make the same mistake we did. Upgrade today with Oracle NetSuite. The beauty of Oracle NetSuite is that it gives you the visibility and control you need over your financials, HR, inventory, sales, and much more. Everything you need all in one place instantly. Join over 21,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let their team at NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com scale. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com scale.